Association with the Daily Football Show. My name is Neil Sherwin. I'm delighted to be joined by Glenn Treadgold and Fraser Glennie to look ahead to the upcoming A-League season. Guess you're ready to go after the longest season, off-season in the football world ever. Well, it hasn't been all doom and gloom, mate. There's been a bit going on in the off-season, isn't there? Yeah, you've already got dumped out of the FA Cup against the State League. I think it was great. Well, I was thinking more personally. I think you're off to get married in a few weeks, and Fraser's been gallivanting over to Bali, and Don has been away having babies, and bloody Joe's gone and Joined a bloody rock band and started living the rock star lifestyle. So, what about you, Blaine? Mate, I've been job hunting and um, it seems to have come up trumps because I start my new job tomorrow. So, happy days. No more Centrelink FC. No, mate, no. No, I've uh, given away the Western City Wanderers shirt and yeah. Oh, well, congratulations. All right, we're here to talk about football. We've got lots to get through. Um, believe it or not, the A League does start this week. You may not know it if you uh, haven't been on your social media over the last couple of weeks, but it is it is coming around. And after four months, we've got Perk Glory games to talk about that are a little bit more meaningful than an FFA Cup game and a few friendlies against MPL opposition. No disrespect to the clubs involved in those. Let's talk about the ins and outs first. It's a much-changed squad. Lots of players have left from last season. I'll go through the ones that aren't coming back first. We've got Dino Julevic, Nabois and Marinkovic. Uh, Richard Garcia is retired on the coaching staff. Mitch Oxborough. Aaron Williams, Lucien Goyan, Jordan Thurtell, Reese Williams, Josh Risden, Rostin Griffiths, and Costa Petrados. Fairly decent team of players in there if you were to stick them all on the park. Anyone you're disappointed to lose? Um, overall, with what's come in and what's gone out, I think we've definitely upgraded. Um, we've, if you just wanted to go kind of who's in, who's out in the various positions. Um, actually, let's have a look. Who, who's actually come in? In Scott Neville. Mitch Nichols, Jacob Poscaliero, Jake Brimmer, Andreu, and Xavi Torres. So if you look at them and you went, you know, obviously uh, Xavi Torres will come into a um, defensive midfield position to take Griffith's spot. Um, that guy looks like an absolute beast. Um, we went and had a chat with him a couple of weeks ago with Donner, and he's actually a bit of a good-looking rooster too. So I think that there might be a bit of a spike in uh, ladies attending this uh, this year. Um, the others, obviously Jake Brimmer, good young fella, um, ex-Liverpool youth, so he's got a decent kind of pedigree to, for a young fella. Um, he'll be great on the ball to come in to, for a bit of a Nebo, Nebo role. Uh, Poscalero will be good at the, to bolster the stocks at the back. So, um, And then, of course, a bit of a like-for-like like for Neville coming in for Josh Riston. So, yeah, I think we've, I think we've upgraded. I feel pretty similar. <clears throat> Excuse me. feel pretty similar to last season. Um, you know, we have taken on some people that have early experience plus international experience. Quite looking forward to the young boy who spent three years at um, Liverpool's institution. 
keeper, aren't you? Yeah. Um, so that'll probably say a whole lot more about how Liverpool are developing players as well, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good pick-up for Glory. The, the, the thing that stands out to me, and I've got a couple of pros and cons that I've put down in relation to the acquisitions and the squad as a whole, but there's there's been four, at least four defenders um, have left, and only two have come in, in Posquero and Neville. Now, Neville is obviously a straight swap for Risen, but you lose Julbich, Goyen, Aaron Williams, Reese Williams. Four of them can play across the back. You bring in Jacob Posquero. That, to me, is a massive downgrade. Now, I know we're saying overall the squad may be better, well, at the back, I just don't think there's um, depth there whatsoever. You're looking at your four starting defenders in Neville, Mills, Grant, Larry. Backing that up, you've got Scott Neville, you've got Jacob Posquero. The depth isn't there. I know Goyen was a January signing, and it could potentially be something that happens again this year. But Grant and Larry both went down with injuries at the back end of last season. If they pick up any in, in, sorry, in October or November... I think you're looking at a, a, an even leakier defence last season than last season. And let's not forget, Glory had the worst defensive record last time around. Yeah, they also had one of the best scoring records, but I know we leaked uh, plenty at the back. I think we had a finish yeah, with the goal difference of zero, season. didn't we? So we 53 conceded, something like that, yeah. in, in 27 games. That's, that's poor. That's very poor. And for me, you're losing a lot of depth um, in, in the potential. Factoring in injuries... Potential injuries to players and starters, uh, I, I think that's where the big um, big question mark for me is, especially when it was such a problem last year, to not adequately address it with depth is, is an oversight. You do have Xavi Torres who can um, swap back, not ideal, but he can play a centre-back position. Um, he's been known Yeah, to... but you're, ta- you're talking about a player there who's come in as, as a big name and his main position is centre midfield. You, you then end up losing so much if you have to play yeah, no, as a centre-back. So, yeah. I just, I just think that's the, the, the outstanding thing for me is, is that um, defensive uh, deficiency in terms of depth. Rose, and are we sticking with uh, Reading Gold? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't, well, they only had two keepers signed on them. Uh, they got Liam Reddy and Nick Feely. So Tertel obviously left. Uh, they had a young guy training with them during, um, during the off-season who was over from Fulham. Uh, he was released. He was released by them at the back end of the last season, but there's been no nothing official on that. So they're going into the season with two goalkeepers and whatever youth uh, youth players they've got. So um, yeah, I mean, look further forward. There's lots of midfield options, which is the big positive. It's very hard to pick which four midfielders are actually going to start. You can probably put down Xavi Torres and Diego Castro as your two that are definitely going to be in there. But then on the right side, does does Harold get the nod um, ahead of Chinese? You would think so. But then you've also got uh, you've, you've also got players uh, like you've got um, Brandon Wilson is a is a good young player. Andreo does he start? Does Mitch Nichols play? I know he's suspended for the first couple of games because of his off field indiscretions. But when they're all fit and flying, you've probably got seven or eight midfielders vying for four positions, which is opposite to what we have at the back. Who do you want to see starting? Yeah, well, it's a tough one, mate, isn't it? Um, I'd like to see Brimmer. Um, start um, obviously Castro and you'd say uh, Xavi Torres would be shoe-ins um, Brandon Wilson where does he sit he had a pretty promising season last year he's come through the ranks quite well um, I can see Brandon Wilson being shoehorned in at, at right back at some point um, Scott Neville has played at centre back before so maybe that's a consideration at the back if, if if they were to lose a centre half Scott Neville slots into the middle and Wilson can play at right back so Maybe that's something, but they've got as a contingency. I don't know, but yeah, I don't think Wilson will get into that 
starting midfield when everybody's fit, which is a little bit of a disappointment because he's in the uh, Ali Roos squad now. Uh, Correct. Yeah. So. Yeah. Unless you've got like two wingers playing either side and then the two centre midfielders sort of have a holding position together and both play in sort of a defensive field. Well, that's what they did last year with Griffiths and, and Williams at times, and then you had two uh, attacking wide players. Uh, I'm not going to bang on about it for the millionth time, but they still didn't sign that left winger in Craven for over a year. So they, they will have to. You may find that there will be a narrow midfield at times, and uh, possibly turn into a diamond midfield. Um, it, it has a potential for that, but yeah, it's it's got to be interesting to see what they do. The other positive I have down is that they ret- retained the front three, if you include Castro as part of the front three, because they scored. Was it was it thirty six or thirty nine goals between the three of them in the league? Was it 12, 12 and twelve? Or yeah, it, yeah, 12 yeah. I think uh, Castro was leading by one or two. Yeah. yeah. So they were up, up around that mark. It, it, oh, they all hit double figures. They're all back this year. They've got a really good supporting cast from midfield in terms of creativity. So I think there, there's no reason why they can't go and do something similar this year. Yeah, it's a hell of a spawn, isn't it? Um, it may see us, as you said, play quite a narrower kind of a style, um, which is a bit unfortunate because obviously we know that guys like Chris Harold, who had a superb season last year, was I think the leading uh, assist um, yeah. in the league. Um, he's a wide player and he's a quick player and um, the guys like that's just uh, you waste talents when you have to or you, you wouldn't have them into a to a narrow kind of midfield setup yeah yeah well I, I think it's there is room for, for a bit of a bit of juggling of positions and players and then personnel and that sort of thing um, but Kenny Lowe is is quite rigid in his tactics I don't think it's very difficult to predict what, what way his team is going to set up so it, it, would, it would probably go against the grain of what he's done previously to, to tinker too much well, I think we can see that there is um, there is quality there to come in if and if and when they're needed. Um, expectations last year it was good in the sense that Glory got into the finals and actually won a game. It's cool, but the regular season, as we touched on already, with the goals for and goals conceded, still left a lot to be desired for me. Um, is it fair to say that anything other than finals, at the bare minimum, has to be considered a failure? Oh, absolutely. Um, I've got us uh, in the, actually in the top two to finish this year. I really? think, yeah, I think we've brought in some. Uh, I think Shabu Torres will be an absolute standout. The, the man is an absolute beast. I think he can do a role. If can, Castro can keep him in form, and then add in guys like Andre who provide some good service to Taggart and Keo. I think we can bang them away this year. So, is, if you if you're expecting a top two finish and Glory finish fourth, how disappointed are you? And and at what stage do you start going, well, look, we haven't progressed as much as we should with the quality of player we have. It's Where do we go from here? Well, it, precisely. Um, in the league, anything, you're probably right, anything less than a t- top four at bare, bare, bare minimum, um, that's where I sit. Um, obviously, you throw us into the finals. We finished, what, fifth last year, made the semi-final, um, got smashed by a pretty decent Sydney side, and that was the end of it. But um, I think you said last year, I mean, minimum home final for last year. So we didn't get there last year. So Yeah, we'll we'll get on to our predictions uh, in the second part, segment of of the show. But yeah, on on last year, you're right. It's got to be a home final at least every year. I'm a little bit less optimistic than you are. Um, I'll I'll elaborate on that in a bit. But Fraser, what about you? Is it... Top six okay for Kenny Lowe, but he's been in the job for a good few years now. He's had his contract extended again. There's obviously good faith put in him by the club and the, and the powers that be. 
But at what point do you turn around and go say, look, we're getting a little bit stale? And by no means calling for Kenny Lowe to go. We're just dealing in hypothetics here. If he finishes and wins the whole thing, then brilliant. But what, what has to be the benchmark this year? Well, I think word for word, we said the exact same things last year, home finals, and then you're striving to do something a bit different than what we have been doing since the inception of the A-League. You know, home final would be, well, I can't remember the last one, but certainly that's... Was a, it Todd Harrod Wellington? Was that the last home final? And when was that? Yes. Who says? I think the fact well, that I have to memory. think about it yep. sort of says a lot. Do you know what I mean? There's a year we made the grand final, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, the... Uh, that bloody game. grand final. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's not even go there. No, not not that it's early. Bloody swear season. word in this house, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we haven't had we yeah. haven't had a, a home final since the year of that nonsense. You said you were about to elaborate. I think I'm sitting with you already. Um, I'm not expecting a top two finish at all. Um, mm-hmm. I, I see Sydney or Melbourne. I have to say that because I um had a stupid debaucherous night at the Elephant a few weeks ago, and I actually made a stupid bet with one of my Melbourne victory mates that we'd finish above them. So um, I've got them in fourth, so I think we need to finish at least top three. Otherwise, I own a carton. This is why I never go to the casino. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you, Blaine, you went down to the, uh, the family day on Sunday. Yesterday. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, yesterday, Sunday, yep. same yep. day. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I was at the uh, amateur finals at um, Florian, so that's my excuse for not being there. Um Good turnout. It was fantastic. Um, I got there a bit late on because I had some uh, little bit of errands to run in the morning, but I got there about one o'clock and there was plenty of kids and families around. It was actually a, a great setup. Um, virtually have it around the whole of the, the boardwalk and on the beach. They had beach soccer and all kinds of kids running around wearing purple shirts and all the players mingling selfies? nicely. Any selfies? I didn't get any. Donna got a couple. Um, I did notice she got a team photo and there was no Mitch Nichols. It's a... Surprise! Yeah, we um, we're scratching our heads over that. Um, we'll have to see if anyone wants to uh, check. We'll just in throw it out there. Mitch Nichols wasn't in the team photo at the uh, family day, so if anyone officially or unofficially wants to let us know why, we're happy to maybe spread the rumours. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's good to see though they're putting a lot of effort into that. Uh, the members are sitting at about six thousand five hundred at the moment. They were pushing for ten thousand, which in reality, was probably a little bit optimistic. Um, you think that a couple of good early performances, now this comes into the frustration of fixtures with Gloria Planner two home, first uh, two games away from home, but when they get back down, it'd be a couple of, a couple of uh, good results, the Spanish boys firing early. Um, do you think they can hit close to the 10K? Or is it always going to be a little bit too much? No, I think 10K is a good round figure to have as an average. Um, yeah, I think... Mate, we all love a winner, don't we? We know that Perth's very fickle and we know that the people will get out if the timing rights and the weather's right and the, you know, um, ball hits the back of the net a few times. So depending on how we go through the season, I think membership levels, are, despite not hitting that 10K by the start of the season, I think we're still up on what we had last year. So that still some promising growth there. Um, how did we finish up last season regarding membership? What was the final tally? Why would you put me on the spot like that? These are the sort of questions <laughs> you ask before so we can look and find out the figure. I expect you to know these things. Nah, having a clue. Okay. Having a clue. Well, yeah, you know, like... I don't, include, I don't understand. Are we including <laughs> pet memberships or...? Yeah. Well, we've got uh, Donna's new baby. Yeah. So there's one. Actually, okay. we've already had a win like that because um, Steph's... Um, Donna's husband, Steph, has already uh, started getting the, the little fella into the purple rather than that and quite shit right. shade of uh, navy blue they wear in Victoria. So. One thing I will never understand is, like, why would you take a um, membership up halfway through a season? 
Well, you've also got the people who buy a three-game membership at the start of the year and then buy a three-game membership maybe towards the end of the year that they count for two people. Two different people. Count for two memberships, but yeah. Yeah, so there's your, your figures can be skewed slightly. I can't. So. I don't understand. I've never, never have really understand why Perth doesn't really get the crowds regarding disregarding you know performances and stuff. We have the population. We have the football people here. Yeah, but they, they they like gimmicks. You got to you got to look at the, the the crowds that go to the big bash for that novelty stuff because it's on for so short. In football terms, the A League season is really short. In Perth, attention span is <laughs> really really long. So getting out to watch Perth Glory in October when there's no finals. Now I'm I'm a massive advocate for binning finals completely. But can you imagine the drop in in novelty? around Perth if we don't have finals and Glory actually do get one of those home finals we haven't had for so long like they, they just love it they love a final uh, you see it with the, you see it with the AFL um, as I said you see it with the Big Bash which is basically like finals every single game that they, they play it like that the Wildcats and the Wildcats do really well in, in regular season but the Wildcats are winners Glory unfortunately aren't and haven't been for a long time Wildcats are good at promoting themselves a whole lot more as well I think. there is that there is that as well, and um, and that's been a, a bit of a theme right across the league um, in terms of promotion. But Glory have been doing some good things in terms of their own media and the the work that's going on at the moment, and it's definitely improving. Um, they're getting a bit getting out there a little bit more and putting up some even some throwback content which engages the older fans, that sort of thing. They did, even though it was a much criticised um, program in the preseason with games against the MPL teams, that actually does great wonders for grassroots football, even though it might not be the most competitive games for glory, but for them to play a Percy Doyle Reserve, for them to play down at Dalmatic Park, those sort of games get locals out watching because they've got more of an affiliation to their MPL team, some of them, than they will to to random teams. Like if Perk Glory played uh, Central Coast Mariners in a game in Mandra, what sort of crowd are you going to get for that? Probably, probably no different to if it was an NPL team. I don't think. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? That whole disconnect between grassroots and the and the A League. Um, and it's fair to say that the FFA has never really made any great efforts. They're probably the opposite in trying to engage that grassroots and you know even going back into the old soccer, new football, and and all that kind of jazz. So um, well, I think what might help bridge the gap is, is the likes of Joe Knowles and, and Daniel Steins getting contracts now. And now I know they've they played with um, the Glory Youth and they played in the in the NPL with Glory last year. So it's not they haven't been picked up from another NPL club and been brought into the Glory first team. They've they've come through. But they are local lads. Like you can go up to Area Five in Wanneroo and Joe Knowles be ref in your five side game. And next, he's getting a full contract for Perk Glory. You know that's yeah. that's pretty cool. You know, it's, yeah. it's actually that's it's good to see. You need more of that. You know, someone that's that's just around the grounds uh, has been for the last couple of years is now getting a shot at the top level. And we, even if it's only one every year or whatever that gets that opportunity, it sends a message out that it's it, there is a pathway because at times you can see it as a closed shop that if you're not doing X and Y at a certain age, well. You're just going to be a journeyman NPL player picking up money from whoever will give you the most every year. And we do see a lot of that. So I think that might help. But there, there is still plenty of work to be uh, to be done. Um, in terms of, of who you're looking forward to watching most this year, uh, whether it's new or old, you've obviously said Xavi Torres. So you, you've got your posters on your wall already. So you're, you're 
tied in. Bromance. But let's leave let's leave, first let's leave him aside for a minute. Uh, outside of that, is there, is there anyone else that you're really looking forward to seeing? Um, Jake Brimmer. I think he's going to be handy, as I mentioned before. Um, of course, uh, the maestro, um, Castro, I think he's going to be the soldiers ever. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, I'm just looking to really have a season that we can just have 11 blokes on the field, just give 100% and, and really play for the shirts. It's a comfortable squad. A lot of, like, the majority of our team have played for a couple of years now. Yeah. You know, there should be a sense that they'll, well, they should by now, certainly after, say, two years, one year at least have a better understanding as to how each other plays and, and be able to do well for a change. But I, I'm looking forward to the three amigos, as we've recently coined it. Um, the originality just never fails. <laughs> well, what are the other options? Well done. The, I don't speak Spanish, so... It's up there with you for a bastard in terms of laziness. Go on. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's something different anyway. Three Spaniards in our side. Oh, look, you know, let's, let's go international. Let's make it a bit more World Cup-like. I'm looking forward to seeing if we can get Grant and Larry on the pitch for full season together because as a centre-back pairing, I actually don't think there's many better in the league when they're fully fit. It's keeping them fit and keeping the goal there. That could be a big key to glory season because I don't think there's going to be any issue scoring goals. It's going to be keeping them out. That's the problem. But those two being fit will go a long way to uh, to addressing that problem from last year. Uh, any final thoughts on glory's season ahead before we move on? No, as I said, I think I'm quite optimistic, but I'm, I'm optimistic every season. It's, it's the point of the season where you're most optimistic. Just remember, <laughs> it's downhill from here. So whatever you're feeling right now, remember it. It feels good because it won't feel like this again. Yeah, yeah. Christmas is always a bastard when you're a Perth Glory fan. Yeah, because we don't get the games. Yeah. <laughs> that too. Finish that. Chris? It's because it's too hot. Uh, yeah, Christmas is a bastard. <laughs> First time ever I think I've agreed with Blaine Treadgold on something. All right, Blaine was at, as we mentioned, at the Family Fun Day on Sunday. He had a chat with Alex Grant, and you can hear that now, and we'll be back after the interview to have a chat with the rest of you. We're down here at the family Glory Family Fun Day. I've managed to quickly grab Alex Grant on the eve of the season, mate. What's your thoughts? How's the preparation going? Yeah, great. Uh, I'm feeling fit, personally, so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully having an injury-free season and... Uh, Hopefully the boys uh, can do one better this year and uh, maybe get to the grand final and uh, get a win there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was uh, probably our uh, biggest downfall last uh, last season, was probably not having a stable back four with yourself and Lowry having uh, injury injury concerns. Yeah, uh, well, you only have to look at Sydney FC and uh, look at the squad that they had and uh, how consistent they were with uh, the, the player, the personnel they had in there every week, week in, week out. And uh, yeah, for me, that's, that's the key to it, really, keeping everyone fit or as fit as you can. Um, and uh, having that consistency throughout the squad. So obviously there's got to be injuries and uh, chops and changes due to uh, form and what have you in the season. And um, we, we've we built a, a good squad this season. We've uh, we've recruited well as uh, as well. Probably a, a bit light in a couple of positions, but we've got we're very versatile as well. So we've got players who can uh, do more than one job uh, when required. Yeah, versatile is a good word. I mean, obviously, um, I think from my point of view, I think we've strengthened on, on pre previous seasons, brought in guys like Andreu, um, Xavi Torres, uh, Poscalero to just bolster at the back. Um, yeah. Is that the way you guys have seen it? Yeah, definitely. That's it. Like we, uh, like any team in football, you need that solid core, don't you? So all the way through the middle of the pitch. So I think we've got that this year with, uh, with the personnel we've, uh, we've recruited. Andreu's a great addition. He's, uh, he was obviously proven at Western Sydney. And... Uh, 
he had a, a, a good spell there and he's he's a great addition. Uh, Javi Torres has come in. He seems a, a great footballer. Like he's obviously got the experience. He's got the uh, the CV to prove that. Um, so yeah, he's good, uh, and it helps that he's uh, he can speak Spanish like Casio and Andrea <laughs> as well. Uh, and even like even the likes of like Jake Brimmer who's coming, a young lad, uh, loves to get on the ball. It'll be an exciting one to watch as well, and uh, and then Mitch Nichols as well. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, absolutely. Just on the Spanish lads being down here at uh, Hillary's Boat Harbour, mate. You know they could almost think they'd be back in a uh, somewhere in Spain. I know it's a beautiful day, isn't it? It's the first day we've had that's nice for uh, for a good while, eh? Every uh, every other day in training, it's just been absolutely raining, so it reminds me of being back in the UK. <laughs> just another quick one. Obviously, uh, two away games to start the season. A uh, couple of little tricky ones, Western Sydney away, Newcastle away, and then obviously Central Coast uh, at home. Um, how's the preparation? How do you go into um, uh, that kind of start to a season? Um, well, we've got plenty of footage of uh, games that they've played in pre-season, and we know the personnel that they've got in there, um, their strengths, their weaknesses. Uh, so we, we, we'll analyse that, uh, especially this week, uh, going into the game next week. Obviously, we always seem to get uh, difficult fixtures when you look at it over the year, but look, that's the card, cards we dealt. So uh, look, we just got to crack on, uh, and sometimes it might just be a case of grinding a result away from home because uh, we know how dominant we can be at home. Absolutely, mate. Thanks for joining us on the Far Post Perth. You're listening to The Far Post Perth. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to part two of the Far Post Perth podcast. We've lost poor Fraser, who forgot he had a friend's birthday to go to, so um, he's left myself and Blaine to, to carry on from here. Um, hopefully it was worth ditching us, Fraser. It's good of you. Um, in answer to your question, though, before the, before, the, uh, before the break, glory memberships for last season, quickly done my research, Glory memberships were up 22% to 8,644 from 7,109 in 2015 and 16. So that's why they set the target of 10,000. So, uh, yeah, good luck to them then. Maybe they'll get there. Right, we're going to kick on with the rest of the A-League and a few predictions. Um, first up, Blaine, we're going to talk about the lack of marketing from FFA. It's been a bit of a bugbear of people. Yeah, we haven't even had the season launch um, officially. But obviously, the... Uh, the oft-used term clean air has come up again um, in the sense that they're waiting for the finals of the egg ball codes to finish. Last year, we had the Yoshi campaign, uh, You've Got to Have a Team, which, even though people took the piss out quite regularly, I thought it was really good in terms of engaging young people. And, and even if it did have a predictable ending with him supporting Tim KLFC, it was still good. It, it got some great content out there, videos, interactions with players, all that kind of thing. Really, I already thought they'd kick on and even piggyback that in some way this year, but instead we've seen nothing. Yeah, well, they um, even though it's been very low key, it looks like they have kind of piggybacked on. I've only noticed that down at my local bus shelter, there's a bit of a thing in there that says it carries on in some kind of theme, and I can't think what the little catchphrase is. Um, but besides that, that's the only place I've really seen any any marketing this year. Um, me and yourself had it a discussion on Twitter the other day and as you said the old clean air kind of discussion came up and yeah look I just think at some stage you have to try and get it out there I understand not going hell for leather in the week of the AFL and NRL grand finals but it's a four-month off season even the Oshie campaign last year started in late September why couldn't that start in early September or late August when you know we're uh, we're all a bit bored I know the FFA Cup is there but 
the novelty of that is even wearing a little bit thin in the sense that we're into what year four now yeah. of the FFA Cup. So that that initial excitement has died down. Um, you really do need something to get people motivated and interested. It also means that the ca- campaign, like the you've got to have a team thing, is still is out there during the um, grassroots seasons because they're all finished now as well. So really, the MPL season um, finishes the end of August into September if you're in finals, and the amateur and the the other Sunday leagues and local leagues finish the end of September. So. I would like to see a little bit of overlap there, do a bit of promotion while those competitions are still going. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's nothing to say that these clubs can't get out to your local competitions and try to engage in that way. Um, I mean, obviously, there might be a little bit of uh, stepping on toes when your your glory and your A-League clubs do um, obviously have a, have a side in the NPL. Um, but I think most of all, mate, we all want football at all levels to, to flourish. Um, and I think we can kind of work collectively to to get it done. Yeah, but I just I just think that FFA are expecting the fans to do the work for them, whether it's through retweets, whether it's through asking their mates, whether it's through likes on shares on Facebook, whether it's through independent media like ourselves. Um, and and at times you can even feel that there's barriers to you trying to uh, to, to get the word out there. So it's it's a bit it's a bit difficult to put it that way. Um, Without going into any details in in our position, um, trying to trying to promote the A League, there can be difficulties that shouldn't be there, um, especially when you're offering to promote the game and the league for free. At times, you can feel like it's not necessarily wanted. Um, so, I just think that could, people could be doing in, in, in power could be doing a bit more. If you're not if you don't have a budget and you're not prepared to spend big on advertising, that's fine. But at least make a little bit of a more proactive effort to engage with the people who can help you get the word out there. I was actually having a listen to our friends over at the Daily Football Show today and they had this exact uh, discussion and it was actually brought up that the marketing budget for A-League clubs were um, was increased um, by around $300,000 a year. Um, I'm not too sure how much truth there is to that, but if that is the case, we definitely haven't seen a cent worth. No, I'm, I'm not looking for, you know, Super Bowl-style ads on the, in the middle of the AFL Grand Final, although if Harvey Norman can get in there, this will rubbish they peddled out. Surely you could drop an ad, maybe, um, if you have the budget. But really, we're not, we're not looking for anything big. As you say, you saw something on a bus stop. That's nice and all, but a little bit more. I don't know. It, they obviously know better because they're in those jobs and they're, they're tasked with making those decisions, but I just haven't spoken to many people who really care about the A-League. My point on Twitter the other day is that any conversations I've had with people is not about the upcoming A-League season. It's about European football. It's about the results from the night before. It's about the Premier League on Optus. There's nobody cares about the A-League whatsoever, and these are people that play football three times a week. So are we, are we hitting the right people? Are we hitting their kids? Uh, it doesn't feel that way. No, you're 100% right, um, and this is where that disconnect comes back in between the A-League and your, and your grassroots. Um, it's amazing that, um, well, not amazing, but all these all these grassroots players, well, just about everyone that I know has a team that they follow um, somewhere in the world, but a lot of these guys who are born and bred Perth or born and bred Melbourne just won't get along to the A-League, and I think there, there needs to be some proper research and some... Um, things put in place to really try and get out and engage those those fans. 
you also have to remember that there's people who will never are set in the stone and will never change their ways. They see the uh, league as an inferior product to what they're watching on TV, whether it's the Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga, the Premier League, whatever. And they're absolutely correct. It is an inferior product. But at the same time, you can't just drive for 20 minutes and go watch a Premier League game. You know, you, if, you, if you like live football and you like going to be part of a crowd where you're all supporting the same crew, same team, the whole lot, then we've got a team here. And if you're anyway inclined in that, get out and watch a game. I mean, there's, there's plenty of home fixtures this year. The times are scattered all over the place. Uh, if you look at it, there's Friday, Friday night games, Saturday night games. There's a, a brilliantly timed Tuesday night at 7pm game in uh, in January against, I think it's Western Sydney Wanderers or Melbourne, Melbourne City maybe. One of those, which is another day's work. Well, a lot, a lot of Saturday night games, which is what we like here. Yeah. Uh, it's a great time. The weather's cooled down. Uh, it's a great time for families uh, and you know, just get along to a game. But anyway, that's us doing the, the clubs and the FFA's work for them, which we're not meant to be doing. They're meant to do that themselves. Let's move on to uh, one of the big story of the week in terms of, as I, as I joke today, this is um, free promotion for the A-League. You don't need a marketing campaign where you can just get a manager leave on the eve of the season. Tony Popovich has walked out on Western Sydney Wanderers and he's off to Turkey. Um, maybe, maybe people will say, oh, well, Managers come and go, yes, but he's been there for a few years and the word is he's taken all of his backroom staff with him. What sort of disruption do you think this will have on the Wanderers' season so close to kickoff? Yeah, it's, um, it's a bit of a funny one, isn't it? Because obviously this would have been um, in the scope, well, in Tony's scope for a little while. I mean, there would have been some discussions going back weeks, but it's it certainly hits everyone else um, by surprise. And um, it's a really strange one, especially heading over to Turkey, um, he's never really had that, as far as I'm aware, he's never really had that connection um, with the Turkish Super League or any of the clubs there. I would have been more um, less surprised if he had a kind of went back to Crystal Palace or someone like that if he didn't want to kind of get into that European setup. But yeah, he's taken all of his um, all of his backroom staff with him and kind of left them in the lurch. But from a Perth glory point of view. Um, Probably couldn't have happened at a better time. Now, a nice bit of disruption uh, for them. I'd say it's it's a bit of a it's like a mini Arsene Wenger at Western Sydney Wanderers sometimes in the sense that he's been there for so long, achieved a lot a few years ago, and now there's plenty of people calling for his head. Um, now that he's actually gone, it'll be interesting to see who comes next, and will the same fans be pining for Tony Popovich in a year's time if it hasn't worked out? Yeah, well, that's 100% right. One of the names that was mentioned was uh, Mark Rudan, which is awfully, uh, obviously a um, Sydney FC stalwart next um, Sydney United yeah. manager. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they, if someone like that steps in, how they take him on. Yeah, all right. Well, let's, uh, we've got some <coughs> predictions for the, for the season. Uh, we've got the ladder. In the, we're going first to 10th. Um, do you want to go through yours quickly? Yeah, I've got. Sydney, Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne Victory, Newcastle, Central Coast, City, Western Sydney, Wellington, Brisbane. Brisbane at the bottom. That's that's big, and it's it's. I think there's a. I don't think they've recruited well, but I think they're going to struggle come ACL. Right. Okay. I think that's they're going to fall away enough. towards the end. All right. Well, I've gone with Sydney first, Melbourne Victory, Melbourne City, Adelaide, Perth, uh, Brisbane. Western Sydney Wanderers at 7th, missed the finals, now with Popovich gone. Mariners at 8th, 
Jets ninth and the Knicks at tenth because the Knicks have signed nothing inspiring. He could make an argument for Dario Vidicic, but it's just a journeyman A League player at this stage. So um, they're far from inspiring. They're they're the worst in terms of the off season for me. Um, the Jets have recruited okay, but they've got Ernie Merrick in charge. I don't expect them to set the world alight. The Mariners will improve. Um, seem to have picked up a couple of good players from the Dutch league, but not enough to make finals for me. Um, Roar, you said, I still think Roar have enough to be in the finals finals mix. Um, I think, all jokes aside, Macaroni will probably still score goals in the A-League, um, which may not necessarily be a great look for the league, but it is what it is. Uh, I think he's a decent acquisition. Um, the top teams will continue to be the top teams, Sydney FC, Melbourne Victory. I don't see Glory getting in there. I've been down as fifth. And the reason I have them as fifth as fifth is because I, it goes back to the defensive issues. It's the depth. Lose a player, you're in big trouble. So I can see them getting results all right. Um, but yeah, not enough to, to trouble the top two anyway. Yeah, my big move is Newcastle and Central Coast for a number of reasons. Um, obviously, Paulo Ocon was there um, last season. Um, he said a little bit of a foundation is kind of built on that this year, so I can't see him going anywhere near as, as bad as what they have in previous seasons. And I think Newcastle... Um, I just don't think they can stay down the foot of that table for as long as they have. I think they need to. There's some some movements. They've got Laurie McKinnon in there at the top as a, as the chairman or CEO. Um, obviously, Ernie Merrick's come in, um, who did very very well at um, at Melbourne Victory in the early early years of the A League. So I think they're going to be up the big movers for me. All right, who have you got for a toilet seat? Toilet seat, Sydney SC. I think they've um, probably bolstered what they had last season. I've gone with victory. I think they'll, uh, in a one-on-one game, they'll still have the edge on Sydney in the final. That's what I think they'll play. Top scorer? Top scorer, Andy Keogh. No bias there. Good to see. Uh, I've <laughs> gone with Bobo uh, for Sydney. I think he'll, he will he had a good first season in the league last year. He's gone up some really good players, um, giving them the service. So, yeah, I think he's, he's the one. Uh, Johnny Warren medalist. I've uh, kept my purple glasses on. I'm going to say Diego Castro to be the first one to... To win it two times. Okay. Uh, I, I have gone for Adrian Merzijewski, or Merzijewski, whichever way you want to pronounce it, the new Sydney uh, FC uh, Polish signing. Uh, he's got 40 caps at that level. He's looked decent in the hit-out so far. And as I said, he could rack up a lot of assists, feeding Bobo. Um, so I think he looks he looks like a great pickup. Um, the best signing? Best signing? I'm um, going with my bromance, Xavi Torres. The glory <laughs> segment was in the first part. This is, we've moved on. Uh, I've also given a mention to I, I've, my, my Johnny, Johnny Warren medalist is going to be the best signing. Um, but I've also given a mention to Xavi Torres and Ersan Gulam of Adelaide at centre back. Uh, could have played for the Socceroos, plays for Turkey on loan from Besiktas, has played in some massive yeah, derbies in Turkey. Brings a lot of experience, but will also have a, a good inkling of what it's like to play in Australia. Um, and I think he's he's what Adelaide need is a solid centre back presence. They've also lost um, well, they've lost Eugene Galekovic in goal, who was a leader for them, and he's been replaced by Paul Izzo. So they'll, they'll need a good centre back in front of them to dominate. And I think he looks like a really good pickup uh, for me. Anyway, uh, worst signing: um, Ross McCormack to lose his head and I don't know nut Tim Cahill and. Get sent, get given his marching orders. Yeah, McCormick will be either really good or really bad. I don't think we'll see middle ground from him. I've gone with um, another city player, Marcin Budzinski. 
just purely because he's he's been signed as a marquee, but his CV is really underwhelming. Um, nothing stands out. No, nothing. No decent international recognition. I just think City should be doing a lot better. Um, for marquee players, bring somebody with a bit of a name into the league. Um, I just I, I put him down as, as the worst signing. He might be it might be an adequate midfielder, but as a marquee, and it goes back to the use of that term for players. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it, I think it's a poor signing. So he's mine. Um, all right, something we'll see at Glory Games. Yeah, I mentioned that earlier, mate. We're going to see a spike in female memberships going out to see Xavi Torres. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> Fire up your Tinder at NIB Stadium. Uh, all right, I'm going for. I've just gone for plain and simple. Lots of goals, both for and against. I think if nothing else, Glory Games will be entertaining this year. You'll get value for money in terms of goals and chances at both ends of the pitch. So. And um, for that reason, yeah, well, that's what I've gone for. And something we won't see at Glory Games. Oh, we definitely won't see Reese Williams getting around the corporates in a pair of board shorts and flip-flops, mate. No, definitely not. Definitely not. He may come back to haunt Glory. The first game he plays is on the 18th of November. Victory play uh, NIB. Um, I've gone some, something we won't see at Glory. A game over Christmas. Glory yet again are away. There's no game at NIB Stadium between December 16th and January 5th. It's all, it's long been a bugbear of the players that they have to be away over Christmas um, and play those fixtures. Now, they, they will go away and come back probably. I think December 21st, they're away. Um, but it'd be nice for the, for the fans to have a have a game between that week between Christmas and New Year. Just once. I, I don't think we've had it. Have we? I, think it, I, 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 I did the research last year and... Something stupid like one in seven years or something, something like that. It'd, it'd be it'd be good to to capitalise on the festive season that when everybody's off work, um, even the even all the tradies and all are shut down for for a week or two. Get everybody out to a game, have it as a night game. You can have it on a on a weekday, six o'clock kickoff, magnificent. But not get overlooked for that, so we won't see any games over over the Christmas period. Um. Yeah, but that's pretty much it. That's the we, that's our thoughts on the early. We put it out on yeah. social media, actually, and there's some interesting replies here. Uh, Brian Y on our Facebook says, um, what we will see is plenty of goals, which is in line with what you've, what you've said. And he said that we won't see people leaving before the final whistle. Okay, that's a bit of an interesting one there. Uh, Jesse Donovan says... Um, we're going to see Andy Keogh keep getting caught off sides and, and blaming the, the person who passed it to him. Yeah. Um, and he says that we won't see, it's an interesting one, this one, pretty controversial, we won't see Kenny Lowe after Christmas at NIB Stadium. That's a bit, I remember Christmas a few years ago. Uh, it was around, it, well, I think it might have been, yeah, just after Christmas when, when uh, Ian Ferguson got sacked and in the media room after, I think it was a game against Brisbane Roar, you just knew... You could just feel the flatness of the place. So maybe we don't need a whole game over the Christmas period. It'll just ruin all our buzz if there's a, the, the chance of a manager getting sacked. But yeah, who knows? And uh, Chris Martin says, um, well, he says that we won't see, which is interesting, uh, fit Alex Grant and Shane Lowry. Oh, no, sorry. He says we will see a, a fit Alex Grant and Shane Lowry, but we won't be seeing Steve Armstrong at uh, getting around singing anymore. So. Just, uh, yeah, a few interesting ones there from the fans. Thanks for getting in touch. All right, cool. Well, that's our uh, our thoughts for the season ahead. And um, we'll come back in the final part with a little touch on the Socceroos and their future. You're listening to The Far Post Perth. We'll be back after this. 
Okay, so the final part of the Far Post Perth podcast, myself and Blaine, just going to touch on a couple of other things before we wrap up. We've got the Socceroos uh, World Cup playoff qualifier thingies in the next week. Uh, you've got Syria as the opposition. I know absolutely nothing about them, so I'm not even going to pretend to. Uh, the first game is away in Malaysia, and then it's at home in Sydney. Uh, Blaine, you'd be a little bit more across this than me. How are Socceroos going to do? We're going to... Yeah, I think we can. Um, I think we can get past Syria. I think the um, even though they've played, obviously Syria playing their home games uh, in Malaysia of recent times due to um, obviously what's happening over in over in Syria. Um, I think we'll get past them. Um, obviously Malaysia and then home next week against Sydney. I think we can come away. I think we can score a couple away and then kind of just finish it off at home quite quite nicely. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the job done against Thailand uh, last month. Um, besides the uh, 45-odd shots on goals and hitting the bar six times and just wouldn't, wouldn't fall for us. But, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm confident about going into the, um, the intercontinental part where we'll uh, come up against, uh, it's looking like Panama or Honduras at this stage. Yeah, so the, um, it is a bit of an advantage of your way leg first. You get out there if you can get a draw or a go score a draw or a win come back and finish the finish off at home so that, that's pretty good um it's it's trying to pick everybody up after the misery that was the, the last game you know yes it was a win but it was just the circumstances of of that performance. you were there um and it, it must have been. It must mix emotions because you're watching Australia win, but at the same time you're knowing that it's a pretty crappy win. Well, it was it was a weird one because actually, obviously, all the fixtures weren't played at the same time like they usually are. Yeah. So we had to sit around until three o'clock in the morning and go to this casino and and try and virtually get behind the Japanese, one of our biggest rivals, both on and off the football field, and and you know try and see it done. But uh, obviously, Saudis uh, went through and pipped us on goal difference and. And that was uh, that was all she wrote. So it was a it was an interesting kind of night. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about Ange Postecoglou and his tactics and whatnot. And I don't think we're going to see him change his mindset for for either of these two games. Come up with a live and die by the sword. Is that a wise move to persist? It's a commendable move. I think he's came in and with his ideas. And I, I've got to I've got to tip my lid to the bloke because he does believe in trying to get to that that to that next level. Unfortunately, what has come at um, in you know in place of that is the the loss of results. Um, so it's yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Do you do you just simply get through like people like Bosnich and that have been calling for, and then get to a World Cup and be playing flat, staying football, which world class countries will just walk over you? So or do you try and evolve to that next level? Yeah, I'm just concerned that the way that they play, world class countries are going to walk over them anyway. Um, even still, they might not get the opportunity because Australia might not qualify. So there's a lot of merit in saying, let's just get to a World Cup. But then, what does that do? Does that, that Sometimes you need to, to not qualify for a tournament to make people sit up and realise that there's issues deeper than the starting eleven, um, And I think they are because Socceroos aren't producing um, as many top quality, I say top quality, relatively speaking, internationals than, than in previous years. Yeah, I've been saying a similar kind of thing, that maybe it is time that we do um, miss out on the World Cup. And I know there's going to be plenty of uh, tears shed and heartbreak and this and that, but it might give Australian football a, a bit of a chance to reset and reboot and 
um, at all at all kind of levels from FFA downwards, and just just work out where we want to be as a as a nation and as a as a footballing setup. All right, well, we'll we'll talk about those results um, on our next podcast in a few weeks. Um, just update everyone on the results from the cup final day held at um, Lydus Stadium yesterday. There was uh, four games took place in the Metropolitan Cup. Um, June Lup City had a 3-1 win over North Perth United in the uh, Masters Cup sphere with Dalmatnik beat June Lup United with a last-minute goal from ex-Socceroos goalkeeper Michael Pekovic playing up front. He, uh, he netted the winner there in the Reserves Cup. We had uh, North Perth United beat Wembley Downs 3-1. And it was a surprise in the first team competition as Quinnani United beat North Perth 1-0. Um, so it was a good share of the of the trophies among different clubs. Yesterday, bloody warm day down there. I was surprised at how it was. I went down prepared in trackies and a, a jacket and I was baking. So, yeah, it was good to see the weather out. Some good few fans down there and uh, four teams picking up the silverware. Also, we have to give congratulations to Forestfield United. Who are playing the NPL next year? Uh, they beat Mandra um, six three in aggregate I in a, was, over yes. two legs, um, and they've got a fantastic setup down at Fari now with the new stand and they've got all the underage teams in place and coaches and everything else. So I think they're going to be another breath of fresh air to the to the to the NPL. No disrespect to Mandra, obviously who went up last year and for the first time, and you know they um, they battled hard, but ultimately they. They were the worst team, and, and the only reason they were in a playoff is because Western Knights, who actually won the state league, couldn't go up because they didn't meet the requirements. And that's that's a, that's an whole podcast in itself. Uh, but yeah, playing Forestfield, do you think they'll uh, they'll be all right, go all right in the NPL? Yeah, no. As you mentioned, they're a fantastic setup up there, um, and you know had that um, setbacks throughout the season, but they they came together well. Um, a lot of good people up there that have that I think it's well deserved. The only thing that I will say was a little bit unfortunate that let manager play. Their playoff, you know, kind of four weeks after the yeah after that, the season had finished. So that's part of the problem with the, the alignment. I'm not. I blame finals again. My hatred for finals because the NPL finals have to overlap at the end of the state league, and they also have to be played at a certain time due to the overall NPL finals where uh, where Bayswater played and lost two one two was a Heidelberg Heidelberg. So um, yeah, they have to. They all have to match. The seasons have to match up. So unfortunately, the the NPL season can't be. F- can't finish any later, which means that a team like Mandra is going to finish three to four weeks before the state league side they play again. So it's hard to keep yourself match fit. You've also probably got players who are thinking, I'm not playing for Mandra next year. Either way, whether they go up or go down, I've already been tapped up by another club. After two, three weeks on holiday, am I really arsed about this uh, two-legged playoff? I'm not saying there's many of them in this situation, but... It might be one or two, and it could be a contributing factor. It's just very difficult for the MPL side. Now, do we really have that much sympathy for a team who should have just been relegated anyway and only got a playoff a second chance because of the technicality? I don't know. Maybe they were lucky to be in that situation in the first place. Well, I, th- I do think that they deserve the deserve the playoff and their chance to go up. If that's the way that it's um, it's decided, then you know you deserve to go to get that opportunity. But uh, unfortunately, the, the timing. Of all the leagues, just doesn't doesn't sit nicely for that kind of. Setup. And then and then you get into the idea of player points and salary caps and do they match up when it comes to the playoffs and who's allowed what and all that just seems a lot more hassle than it's really worth. But then again, some someone at, someone in the NPL or at the at football West will turn around and say, well, the state league clubs should have their house in order and then the top team can go up and there'd be no no playoff. So yeah, Western Knights 
had everything and met the criteria. And it's harsh on them because they've they've done really well. They won the they obviously won the cup here and then they won the state league. So to do the double and then not get the reward of promotion is is a little bit harsh on them. But that's the system. That's the criteria. That's what we we play to. Unfortunately, we play to rules and regulations that aren't necessarily uh, that, well, that 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 overshadow what goes on in the park. So. Yeah, well, that's right. But I, I do. I don't mind some of these criteria, to be fair. I do think some of them could be um, changed up in a certain way, shape or form. But I, I, I get the idea behind having this criteria because it provides a bit of um, clubs to have a bit of aspirations to get their get their facilities and get their juniors set up and this and that, which is ultimately better set up for football all, all round if we had all these clubs on the same on the same line. But I, I do um, concede that it's a, it is a struggle for some of the clubs to get there. I, I guess the problem for me is that if you go up as an NPL club and you meet all this criteria and you put all the money into it and you only last a season or two and you go back down to the state league, it could financially hamstring a club. Yeah, well, I guess that's where the management comes in and, and good, good management, good money management comes in too, you know. Um, Without you know blowing your trumpet too much, I mean, June Lutton United went up um, went up this year, stayed mid table, and and yeah, I you mean, know. look, there's a lot of novelty factor in that as well. Though you do well in your first year because it's very hard to back it up, especially next year with three teams down and only one up to get it back to twelve. There's a lot. There's a few teams that are going to struggle if they can't throw money at, at players and signings. And the problem that comes with having a good first season and finishing mid table is that your players get tapped up by their clubs yeah. and, and are offered money that you can't pay and you lose half the squad and before you know it, you're back in the state league. So that's a very real possibility for yep. Jim Lucky United and probably a couple of others um, because, well, I know firsthand we cannot pay players yep. uh, anything more than a token gesture yep. um, and that's always going to be the way. So if you survive and you enjoy yourself in the NPL, brilliant. It is nice to see, obviously I'm biased, but a club rocking the boat a little bit when you're playing against players who are on six, eight hundred thousand dollars a week and you're beating them. There's a bit of a satisfaction to be taken from that um, because you've got players at our club that have a point to prove elsewhere, and they did it. But it then they then become uh, they, they then become targets for the bigger fish. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've just gone back. It's great to see great to see some of these lower clubs kind of knocking off the big boys at, at some stages. So, yeah. um, well, that's 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 part of the enjoyment of the football. You know, absolutely, you, you get those yeah. results, and they might they might be few and far between. You might go out and get a result against Bayswater or Perth, but then you play the next time and they'll beat you 7 0. Yeah. So you, you, you take those wins when you can and you try and pick up enough points. Um, but yeah, hopefully the likes of Forestfield now can go up. I think they, they should have financial backing as well, considering everything they've been putting into the club in the last few years. So I think Forfield will do well. But again, with three teams going down, it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be hard to predict um, who actually stays afloat. Because last year you could probably have picked two, maybe three teams that would be flirting relegation. This year, you're probably going to have to pick five and say, well, it's it's five potentially for three spots going down. So those, those uh, NPL predictions are going to be tough for next year, I reckon. Yeah, we'll uh, certainly uh, bring more to the, the listeners as the next season yeah, comes closer. Exactly. All right, for now, we're going to wrap up there. Um, I have to say thanks to yourself and to Fraser for his for his brief contributions. He, he was here. Uh, the podcast is available to download from Wushka on iTunes with thanks to the Daily Football Show and make sure you check out our, our social media accounts we're on Twitter at Far Post Perth and both Facebook and Instagram pages can be found by searching for Far Post Perth uh, I reckon we'll be back in a couple of weeks absolutely I yeah. uh, hope to see everyone down at the new home of uh, WA fans down at the game bar that's where we'll be watching the Socceroos and the glory this season so um, hopefully myself and Donald get down there and say day to everyone and maybe get everyone do a bit of a video or something like that but yeah 
Yeah, we'll be around the grounds as well. We'll be at NIB Stadium from round three, which is Glory's first home game. So, yeah, we'll, we'll speak to you in a few weeks when there's some actual A-League football to talk about. Really looking forward to that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>